skin is a living part of your body and your largest organ. And as skincare experts for over 30 years, Dermalogica's number one focus is on empowering people to achieve their healthiest skin ever. Education is at the heart of everything we do. So our podcast brings advice from top skin health experts directly to you. Join us as we discuss research and skin technologies to help you get real results. Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. So welcome podcast friends. It's great to have you join us. Hey, it's Beth Bialco here and we're gearing up for another awesome podcast with a returning guest in our dermatology spotlight. And speaking of awesome, I have to thank all of you for rating and reviewing the podcast. So greatly appreciated. We love to see those comments like this one that we just got from I Heart the Color who says, the skin nerd in me is loving this podcast. The scientific episodes are my favorite so far. I love hearing in-depth information about ingredients and skin concerns. What a great way to spread the word about skin health. Well, today, all of you who are skin geeks, skin nerds, are going to love our very special guest who's coming back to the podcast, and that is Dr. Melissa Levine, who is a board-certified dermatologist in New York City, and she specializes in cosmetic dermatology. So welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Levine. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. I'm so excited to be back. I'm excited to have you here. <laughs> well, for those of you who may not know Dr. Levine, as I mentioned, she is in New York City. She's actually done another podcast with us on sensitive skin. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely go back into the Living Skin Podcast archives and be sure to put that on your next listen list. Um, she is the founder and director of Entourée Dermatology, which is a medical and cosmetic dermatology practice in the Flatiron. Dr. Levine is also a clinical professor at New York University and Ligon Medical Center. And she presents at professional meetings. She teaches other physicians as a trainer regarding cosmetic treatments, including, including neuromodulators, fillers, and laser surgery. And the list goes on for you. You are a busy, busy person. <laughs> Everyone's busy, right? I know you're <laughs> really busy, too. <laughs> I know, but I just I can't thank you enough for, number one, just taking some time out of your busy day to talk about... Um, our podcast today, which is really focusing on, I like to say everything about needles. Um, we're going to be talking about <laughs> microneedling and injectables. But before we jump in, what have you been up to since our last podcast? I know you opened up your new practice. Yeah, so um, I opened my practice actually last summer in July. So we're actually about to celebrate our one year anniversary. Amazing. And it's really been an amazing, fantastically challenging year. Um, I think as a female physician business owner, I learned so much um, about myself, but also really what it means um, to be a woman, to be a business owner, to be a physician, and to wear different hats, particularly in, you know, a very competitive um, but fun city like New York City. Um, but the practice has grown. Um, we are in the Flatiron Union Square area, and it's an awesome, awesome neighborhood because there's 
so many other industries, particularly like technology and media um, and fashion. And it's, it's really nice to be really in the pulse of a city like New York City and to see patients down here. So I love it, love it, love it, love it. And I love talking about um, all things needles. It sounds really scary, but it really, it really isn't actually. Um, and we are seeing a lot um, of patients of all different ages, um, genders that are coming in asking about microneedling and injectables. So I'm like really excited to talk about that today. Well, I mean, first of all, congratulations on coming up on a year already with your business. I remember when you were in the beginning stages of this, and it's been such a joy to watch the business develop. And again, as you know, a woman entrepreneur, you are such an inspiration to so many of us out there. So we just feel so lucky to have you with us today. Um, Thank you so much. As you mentioned, you do offer these types of services to your patients. You have a lot of amazing services, of course, but the two that we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, microneedling injectables, have you seen an increase in both of these procedures or maybe one over another um, in, in the past year or so? You know, I think in terms of injectables, neuromodulators such as, you know, Botox, Dysport, Diamond, I know our listeners um, are from all over the world. So these are brand names that we have in the in states. Um, but neuromodulators remain incredibly popular. Um, there's a lot more patients coming in who are looking at preventative Botox, um, as well as treating, you know, fine lines and wrinkles that are already there. But microneedling specifically has really exploded. And I think it's because there are a lot of home um, microneedling devices. Um, and people I think in general are just so um, focused on skin health and wellness. And um, it's really kind of opened up people coming in for procedures, but also continuing good skincare routines and regimens and procedures at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen some of those devices and some of the at home microneedling devices, I think, are okay. Some of them look a little scary especially scary. To, uh, yeah especially <laughs> if you're untrained and suddenly you're out there with something you know uh, a little bit deeper than it's supposed to be um so with microneedling let's start there could you take a moment and maybe share from your expertise and your standpoint what it is exactly and who is a candidate like the ideal skin type or skin condition to receive this um type of procedure and who is not someone that should be rushing out and getting microneedling because it is a trend right now and and everyone's looking to have that healthy, plump, dewy, you know, youthful skin and they're looking for the latest and greatest thing to help them achieve that. Totally. So microneedling, like the word itself is exactly what it is. So it's actually puncturing the skin with teeny tiny acupuncture sized needles and this creates like small little wounds. And when you create small little wounds in a controlled fashion, that actually triggers the skin's natural repair mechanisms um, to stimulate collagen. So this treatment actually can be used to improve the appearance of pores, fine lines, wrinkles, scars, and stretch marks. And it's actually a very significant um, and long-lasting medical treatment that we've been used for, using for years 
Um, but it really should be performed by a trained, experienced physician or a professional skin therapist who knows what they're doing. Um, I always tell people that when it comes to microneedling, not all treatments are created equal. Um, At-home treatments, just like you mentioned, um, don't provide the same effects as you would get in an in-office treatment, particularly in a dermatologist's office. Um, and sometimes the at-home microneedling devices can be hard to clean and maintain, and then the needles can dull pretty quickly. Um, and when the, the device or the needles do not penetrate the skin correctly, that can lead to injury or infection rather than rejuvenating the skin, which is what we want. Um, so really, microneedling is colorblind because it doesn't involve the delivery of heat. So this is why I think it's become so popular because microneedling is appropriate for patients of all different types of skin tones without the really big concern about pigmentation that we typically see with laser or light procedures that involve heat. But microneedling is definitely not for everyone. So those with active inflammation or infection, such as active acne or cold sores, um, they shouldn't receive the treatment or they should let their physician know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so important. It's like, you've got to have that consultation and really just because it was great for your friend or someone else that you know, knew that received it, your skin may not at that time be in its healthiest state to receive something like this. So that's a, a totally. great point. You got to have that conversation. And as a skin therapist, you also, if you are giving this procedure, you've got to do your research too, because every country and every state, especially here in the U.S., the regulations are different from how the depth of the you know needle that you can use, even if you can actually perform the procedure. So I really encourage you to make sure you're working within your scope of practice and that you do have the certification and that you're following the proper guidelines. And I'm glad you talked about how the needles could potentially, if they're if they're not correctly applied or used, or if the, a slight needle is bent on these at-home, you know, handheld procedures that clients are doing on their own, is like there are some definitely some side effects from that too. Um, oh, what, totally. What was what about I, the positive result? What do you think you would someone would see? Like, so if you have microneedling in your office, what's kind of the, the process of what someone could expect from results? Let's say they were getting it done for like hyperpigmentation or some fine lines. Yeah. So I, I kind of break up the skin basically and your skin ages on tone and texture. So, right. So tone is all about color. Texture is about like topography of the skin. When you talk about topography of the skin. It's like wrinkles and pores. Really. That's what really people think about. I like to explain to my patients that microneedling is really a great way to improve the skin's appearance, particularly when it comes to texture. So we obviously see improvement when it comes to hyperpigmentation, but really the reason why microneedling has really exploded is because it's such a great treatment for pores, for collagen, for wrinkles, and for scars. Um, and this is really, really why I think it's like exploded over the years. Um, just because everyone's looking for that even tone, tighter pores, getting rid of those fine lines and wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I am absolutely in love with microneedling. Not going to lie. I am that person that is like, <laughs> like, what can we do, right? What can we do to, to definitely preserve this? I love that. Um, do you have any, like, 
tips or advice for someone who is thinking about getting microneedling, what should they do to prep their skin before the treatment? And are there any um, good like recommended at-home ingredients that they could use after microneedling, kind of like to keep up the results or to maintain that overall skin health? Yeah, so first and foremost, you shouldn't have a tan. You shouldn't have a sunburn. So having a suntan or a sunburn for me just precludes anyone from getting any type of procedure when it comes to collagen. And the reason for that is that when your skin's inflamed from a suntan or a sunburn, then your skin's not going to heal properly. And that increases the risk of further hyperpigmentation or worsening um, scars, and that's not what you want. Secondly, you really should let your dermatologist, your physician, or your professional skin therapist know if you have a history of cold sores. Um, because if you have a history of cold sores, when you injure the skin from microneedling, it actually can reactivate the virus that causes cold sores. Your physician can actually give you an antiviral to prevent that. In terms of your skin before going into a microneedling session, you want to make sure that the skin health is actually in a good situation, right? So you don't want the skin to be inflamed. You don't want it to be infected. You want to make sure to be using your gentle cleanser, your moisturizer, obviously your sunscreen. If you're on ingredients, which I call active, like, like an exfoliating cleanser, your alpha hydroxy acids, beta hydroxy acids, retinols, retinoids, you want to hold that a couple days before your procedure and definitely have that conversation with whoever's performing your your microneedling session. Afterwards, it's all about kind of continuing all that collagen production. So immediately afterwards, your microneedling session, I have my patients do gentle cleanser morning and night, definitely a moisturizer so that the skin heals properly and sunscreen. But the one thing that I do add is a vitamin C as long as there's no history of sensitivity to vitamin C. Vitamin C is one of the most potent and studied antioxidants, and it really helps with healing the skin, um, but also kind of eliminating that excess pigmentation and continuing all the good work um, when it comes to microneedling. After the skin is fully healed, meaning no longer red, no longer swollen, if it's a little bit of a stronger microneedling procedure, you can have a little bit of crusting as well. Um, you can go back to your routine and adding something that promotes collagen production is key. So that's a vitamin A derivative, such as a retinol or a retinoid, so that we keep on kind of reaping the benefits of your procedure. Okay. Okay, great. So it's really after you make sure your skin is in a healthy state before you get it done. And as a skin therapist, this is, gr this is great information because, you know, oftentimes our clients come in and want to have everything done and they haven't done the proper steps or the commitment to get prepared for the service. Totally. So they've got to have that conversation. But once it's done, I mean, it's microneedling. So your skin's definitely tender. It can feel a little like raw, hot. Mine kind of felt like a a sunburn almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so once you feel like, you know, take it easy for a couple days, gentle cleanser, like you said, and then after a few days, if you feel like the skin is, is ready to go, you're recommending like, like the vitamin C. And then of course, once the skin is healed, adding in a, a boost to that retinol as well. Cause I think that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of our clients or I shouldn't say a lot, I should say some, might have microneedling done and feel like the very next day they can go back to their normal skin routine. And that's probably not going to be the best choice, right? 
Agreed. I mean, I, I actually like curate for my patients, like this is what you're going to do the week after the procedure. And then um, this is what we're going to do afterwards moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, interestingly, a lot of patients, and I'm sure you see that with, um, you know, a skin therapist use with their clients that sometimes people can't tolerate a vitamin A derivative, like a retinol or a retinoid. Mm-hmm. And there are other ingredients out there that can help with collagen and elastin production, um, particularly peptides. So nice. peptides are small little proteins that are, I call them like little messengers. Mm-hmm. So every peptide is different and um, a peptide is actually signaling or giving your skin cells a message to do something. So there are certain peptides in certain skincare products um, that actually promote collagen production, remodeling and elastin production. So if you can't tolerate a retinol or a retinoid, then there are other options for you as well. But I do love my patients to be on some sort of collagen production um, skincare uh, cream or serum to basically continue and to prep the skin for the next microneedling treatment as well. Right, right. I love that because then you've got like a plan. You've got a session from, you know, what – to get from point A to B, this is kind of what we need you to, to do as well. Um, I love all this. I'm now I'm like thinking about my next microneedling treatment. Now that I've talked to you about <laughs> this today, um, you're like, I need to schedule it now. <laughs> I do. I'm like, can I get to New York? Yeah, fast <laughs> um, Okay, awesome. Well, let's move on to injectables. I want to talk about some like fillers or the neuromodulators, like you mentioned. Um, like Botox is an example of the name. Do you think right now um, in the industry, do you think one is more requested than another? Fillers versus neuromodulators, are they kind of equal and request I, from patients? Neuro, neuromodulators, I think, are requested more um, than fillers in the States. Okay. I know in certain countries in Europe, fillers are actually requested a bit more than neuromodulators, and it can be a little bit um, culturally dependent, you know, in, in certain countries having, you know, fine lines and wrinkles and expression lines. Um, some people like that and it kind of shows like wisdom and experience. Um, and then other kind of people prefer more neuromodulators, which is your wrinkle relaxer in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, in my practice, I would say we see a little bit more neuromodulators, but fillers is actually becoming, more and more increasingly popular. And I think it's really because the technology has really advanced and also our understanding of aging Mm -hmm. has just continued to evolve and become more in-depth and sophisticated. And we have so many options with hyaluronic acid and it's no longer just about lifting and contouring and softening um, a fine or moderate or a deeper wrinkle, but it's also, you know, boosting the skin, hydrating the skin, um, the skin texture. There's so many things that we can do with hyaluronic acid fillers nowadays that this is why, you know, at least in my practice, I've seen a lot more um, patients coming in asking for both. I think it's also talked about more in the industry. I also see it a lot more on social media for people doing kind of yeah. like a lot of like the before and afters. Um, and because it is more mainstream now and many patients and even clients um, of skin therapists are doing injectables with in conjunction with other services. So what is the downtime that you would recommend between someone maybe having 
a neuromodulator like Botox or a filler in between that and having like a skin treatment? Is it a week? Is it longer? No, I mean, it really depends. Um, so I don't like to do neuromodulators on the same day where I'm doing a procedure that's going to cause swelling, such as microneedling or laser light procedure. Um, and that's really because if there is a significant amount of swelling, there is a risk that the neuromodulator can diffuse and then it can hit muscles that aren't intended. Um, but after the swelling resolves, then you can do neuromodulator. And that can, you know, if it's a light microneedling procedure, you can do neuromodulator the next day. Um, if it's a stronger microneedling um, procedure, then I typically wait a week. Um, for filler, um, I don't like to do filler on the same day that I'm doing something that is delivering heat um, very far down. So that's, for example, microneedling with radial frequency or a procedure called O-therapy, which is using microfocus ultrasound energy. Um, but oftentimes we see patients who fly in to see us and they want to couple a lot of therapies together, which is possible, but you need to make sure that you know, you're being properly managed by a board-certified dermatologist um, who's very comfortable combining um, different therapies, which we do a lot. But like I said, it has to be in the right patient, um, in the right hands. Right, right. Because I think especially for having, you know, a neuromodulator or a filler done and then having a skin treatment, you know, I've seen where it takes, in my, when I have my practice, is that it would take each client a little bit different for that neuromodulator to either take effect or sit in. Um, sometimes it would be rather quickly, and sometimes I'd see clients come in still with a lot of like swelling or bruising. So um, do you think it's safe to say that if someone comes into your treatment room after having an injectable to like a good rule of thumb is to wait like maybe like a, a week until everything's kind of settled in? Because I think about the skin treatment, you've got heat, you're manipulating the skin. You might be doing massage. Um, do you think that it? Uh, yeah, some I, I think a week. Yeah, I think a week is a safe um, a safe assessment. I mean, I always tell people that neuromodulators, when you get injected in my office or in anyone's office, you're not going to see actually the results of the neuromodulator until two to seven days, and everyone's okay. a little bit different. Also, depends on what neuromodulator was placed, mm. and then once you know, the neuromodulators in your skin, in the nerves, um, they sit in these little nerve receptors, actually, mm -hmm. and it's there. And the professional skin therapist is not going to do any harm um, by massaging it out because it's really, you know, for the first day that we inject mm -hmm. that there's a risk of diffusion. Mm -hmm. um, but the neuromodulator, to actually see the full um, outcome of the treatment, um, it takes um, two weeks. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's good. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I think everyone's, you know, you get the, if you get the inject injectable, if you get the neuromodulator, you're looking right at the mirror being like, okay, are my 11s gone already? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the instant gratification. And it doesn't happen. Yeah. Time. Oh, okay. Um, is there anything a patient should look for or research before getting a form of a filler or neuromodulator done? Like how, what should they be doing their own research on or reading about or being, or asking the right questions so that they can kind of avoid bad experience? 
think the most important thing is know who your injector is. You want to go to a qualified uh, physician or someone who does this on a regular basis. You know, I, you know, you mentioned social media. There is just an explosion um, on social media in terms of you know injectables that you see on Instagram, and it looks really easy, um, but there can be complications, and I see and manage complications from other providers all the time. And these complications can be scary. You know, it can lead to permanent disfiguring with scars and discoloration. And the scariest thing we, we worry about with injectable fillers is actually blindness. So you really need to go to someone who knows what they're doing, does this on a regular basis. You should make sure, you know, if they're doing this, they're, they don't just go to a weekend course and start injecting. Um, the other thing I always advise, you know, patients to ask about is really kind of the aesthetics of the provider. Everyone's aesthetic is different, and really as a patient, you should advocate on what you want. And, and I always tell my patients, like, look, this is my aesthetic. I prefer a much more natural aesthetic. Um, I don't like big ducky lips. Um, and I don't like a heavily contoured cheekbone. Um, but it's important for not just the provider to explain her or his aesthetic, but also the patient as well. Um, so it, I always say, like, just don't ask about, like, the product itself. It's also about who's performing the procedure and making sure that they're doing everything that they can to keep you safe and also to deliver consistent, beautiful results. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much for being so honest about that because, you know, it is true. There's a lot of people offering it and there are some great results and there are some results that have just kind of gone a bit awry. So I appreciate you answering that question for me. Um, final and last question before we let you go. Are there, is there anything new or exciting trends in the world of cosmetic dermatology or skincare that you're seeing that you're like, that you're personally excited about? I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty, I, I really love injecting. Um, and so I'm very excited about combination therapies and we continually kind of learn how to combine laser treatments with injectables, different types of injectables, how to deliver injectables at different depths of the skin and different skin types. Um, so that's a ton of fun. We are always seeing new products enter the field and how to use them safely and consistently um, is very, you know, it's, it's challenging, but also um, really exciting to be in the field. And I think it's, I always tell people it's like the best time to age <laughs> because you have <laughs> I love so that. many, I was like, it's the best time to age. It's, it's really the best um, just because we have so many options now and it's just, it's a ton of fun. We understand, and, you know, before it's just like we would, we would only focus on aging mm -hmm. for women. And now we understand that a man ages completely different, um, different skin types and ethnicities right. age differently. And I just love how there's an acceptance um, and also choice that people have now for also choice that providers have now. Mm -hmm. And, and I love how, how there is an interest and an investment in people's skin health. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, and that's really all encompassing from like skincare 
and, you know, companies like Dermalogica kind of pushing, you know, skincare um, technology forward with regimens, um, different injectables that we're seeing, and also technologies, you know, like the world of body sculpting is becoming huge in the world of cosmetic dermatology, you know, mm-hmm. with non-invasive treatments. It's just, it's like I said, it's a very, very fun time to age. <laughs> I love that. And you know what? I'm going to take that phrase right there with me into the weekend and just <laughs> living my, yeah, living my best life now of Dr. Levine after you totally. that with me. This, this is the best time to age. I love it. I love it. Well, my gosh, thank you so much for all of your wisdom, your wisdom, your inspiration, and your time today. We just greatly appreciate you. We love having you on the podcast Aww. and just wishing you the best of luck um, with continued success in your business. And we hope to, to catch you soon on another exciting topic. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. Thank you for listening to Living Skin. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, cheers to living in your healthiest skin.